Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of the Belgian Football Podcast. My name is Scott Coyne and I'll be your host for the episode this week. I'm not alone. We're never alone here as regular listeners will know. Um, our one and only Mr Joris Beck is here to help me chew over the fat of another week in Belgian football. How are you this week Joris? I'm doing alright, so uh, glad, uh, glad to be back here. Yeah, and of course, first episode without Ben in a while now, but uh, yes, let's, uh, let's dive in and make him proud. That's right, our Ben's uh, going to be away for the next couple of weeks, uh, so me and you will be able to kind of keep each other company um, in the meantime. Shall we dive right in? We'll do a wee scores roundup, uh, first of all, as, as always. Uh, the weekend started at the Stein. Uh, St. Truden drew one each with Eupen. Molenbeek, likewise, drew one each uh, with Kortrijk. Leuven lost 2-0 at home to Westerlo. Antwerp won 3-2 at the Bossel against Joris's side Genk. Circle lost 3-0 at home to Anderlecht. Standard and Mechelen played out a 1-1 draw. Union Saint-Gerois managed to break a, a rather extraordinary record with a 2-1 win at home against Club Bruges, which we'll, we'll get to a little bit later. And Ghent won 3-1 away from home at Charleroi. So why don't we start, Joris, this week with uh, the first game of the weekend, as always, which was was at the Dewu Wasabi Stein. Torsten Vink's uh, St. Truden drawing one all with, with Open. Um, decent game this actually kind of start the weekend. I, I wasn't I wasn't, if I'm being honest, expecting too much from this that this game, but it was a little bit more entertaining and watchable than than you might have imagined. Same old story for St. Truden, and really frustratingly, um, their inability to kind of close out games um, and take advantage of uh, periods of domination is, is really coming to kind of hurt them a little bit. Um, Open managing to kind of dig out a, a largely undeserved draw very, very late on with a, a 94th minute um, equaliser. And strangely as well, there's this weird pattern developing, I think, Joris. Now, St. Truden seem to be a lot poorer in the second half of games. Um, that pattern seems to be um, continuing. But yet again, it's, it's it's a bit like Groundhog Day here. We've been saying that this lack of a decent striker, which you know we would imagine they'll be trying to address in, in January, um, is, is causing all sorts of problems now for them, I think. Um, they've only actually scored uh, 14 goals so far this season, St. Trudeau. So despite playing really good football, and I think they're one of the best sides to watch at the moment, bizarrely, um, yeah, they've only scored 14, which is which is the third lowest. So um, of obvious issues, the same issues that you know we've we've been talking about for weeks. Open on the other hand now um, only two wins, two wins and nine, um, managing to keep their head out of the relegation zone. But you know again they have they have a lot of the same same recurrent issues. Yeah, and with these 14, they were actually not even underperforming their expected goals that much higher, I believe, it was 14.3. So yeah, that that's actually a worrying sign for Sintad. And of course, um, that second half thingy you're uh, referring to, it might still have to do with yeah, a lot of uh, inexperienced players in that squad, of course, as well. Um, and uh, yeah, also conceding again uh, in stoppage time, just like last week. And uh, th- this time they couldn't uh, make one themselves uh, to seal the win in the end. Um, yeah, so that's uh, also indeed a worrying thing. Although this was a bit of a chancy goal, I guess. That, um, that uh, well, also well, Kofeld on a on a on a roll uh, last week. He predicted they would win before the game. This week, he said. He said 
um, will will defend for 75 minutes and then start attacking. Well, <laughs> that's exactly what happened, even though, in, like I said, the goal was a bit of... Uh, there was a bit of luck involved in that, but nonetheless... It's nice of him to tell us his game plan in advance, though, isn't it? <laughs> that's for sure, that's for sure, especially if it still works. Uh, so, like, yeah, so I believe... Uh, that Fink also before the game was was me uh, all uh, they they uh, pointed it out to him and it's like oh yeah okay good to know good to know uh, <laughs> it didn't stop uh, it didn't stop events from from happening and the game unfolding like it did um, well and uh, yeah Open on the other hand are of course like we touched on a bit last week as well already uh, overperforming their export expected goals a bit. Um, and um, yeah, Passa has scored another own goal. That's uh, now three own goals, uh, which is, I do not know how far back these um, calculations goes, but it's the second most own goals at the moment. And remarkably, um, um, yeah, the uh, the player leading the pack in that um, in in that um, well unfortunate i suppose uh stat was also on the field uh, and on the other side uh with uh, godot who scored uh, four in his career so far in the Drupal pro league um yeah that's uh yeah and also well it, it's a quite balanced fixture historically this one um like the, they've played each other 28 times now Nine times it became a draw. Uh, nine wins for Sintrada and ten for Open. So yeah, very, very evenly balanced uh, um, picture, and that showed in the end result at least uh, here as well. Um, regardless of whether that was deserved and if there was a bit of luck involved or not, um, yeah, it's a one-one, and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what both teams are equally happy with that one. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's um, kind of back to the drawing board for sort of both of them, and it feels, as I was saying at the beginning, there a bit, a bit like you know we're 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 kind of picking up the same points in relation to both these sides a lot of weeks now, so everyone knows what the issues are, and 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 uh, we're kind of keeping an eye out on on how how they're going to try and tinker with them anyway. Obviously, in St Truden's case, then you know they just have to uh, try and keep working hard and, and, and sit tight until January till they can address the the main the main issue. Uh, but as I was saying, they remain one of the best sides to watch, particularly if you get a chance to tune in for the first half of their games, that's for sure. You were talking about uh, Pazius and his, his three um, own goals this season. He was quite funny this week, actually. He was he was talking about how he, um, some of his friends have, have, have been ribbing him uh, quite hard about that. Um, he's not been having, if we're being honest, the the best of seasons generally, and and that that rather unfortunate stat kind of un- underlines that. That that's for sure. Let's move on, shall we, to Brussels, uh, Molenbeek, another one-one game. Molenbeek one, Cortrijk one, a draw, probably a fair result in this one. Um, I I saw all of this one, and I was kind of struck by um, Claudio Cacapo uh, being quite quite animated on on the touchline this week. Um, he was talking after the game about how frustrated he was about his side's slow tempo and their build-up play and, and he feels that's got a lot to do with why they're a little bit inconsistent at the moment and dropping points that he feels they shouldn't be um, because they're, they're not setting the right tempo and always with these things tactically if you don't start these things the way that you want it it's very difficult to kind of you know kind of click up a gear as well um and he was he was quite animated for that particular reason this weekend um i was really impressed Joris, actually by um Katrike's alex Mighton, who's on loan from uh, nottingham forest i thought he had a really good game in his first start he looked really bright 
uh, great energy levels, was getting into great areas, um, and uh, Mullenbeek were really struggling to deal with him. So I, I think if he can get a run, I could see him being a player who who could potentially contribute um, something really valuable to, to, to Kortrijk. Um, yeah, he, he was good this weekend, I thought. Um, Mullenbeek now winless in eight in the league. You know, inconsistency, I was saying. Draw, loss, draw, loss. Um Capo talking about, you know, tactically, you know, he's frustrated by their, their their tempo with their play. He feels that's got a lot to do with that. Katrike, on the other hand, actually, I think are, you know, although they were looking brighter this weekend and, and had some interesting moments in the game, they're, they're obviously still struggling. Um, only won twice, if you include the Cup, since, since Glenn de Box come in, still conceding um, too many. Um, Glenn de Bock, by the way, actually this weekend was wearing, which if anyone saw the game, he had a he had a big silver puffer jacket on with with white trainers, which I thought was a a particularly amusing look. Um, there's quite a few people commenting on that, and not not least me this weekend. If anyone saw that, so let's see if he's wearing that next weekend. That's a fashion statement. I don't want to see anyone making any time soon. But yeah, Kortrijk have got um, an interesting schedule coming up. Um, some big games in there for them and some winnable games. They've got uh, Union away in Brussels next, which obviously is one of the hardest places to go at the moment. Um, then they've got three games, which I think will have a big bearing, obviously, on, on how they're going to do over the next couple of months. They're at home to Mechelen, away to Oipen, and then at home to Westerlo. So um, they're games that they're going to need to pick up some decent points for if they're going to make some progress, aren't they? Well, yeah, the book has been doing that for... Well, since since uh, the start of his tenure there, uh, the second tenure here as uh, Kortrijk, um, yeah, the, the fashion choices. Maybe it's uh, and a lot of people are actually talking about it. Maybe it's a way to keep the pressure of his team. And, um, <laughs> and I'm, I'm only half joking here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, and, um, seven. <laughs> it's actually seven league games without a win for Molenbeek, I think. Um, yeah, and these are the kind of games they would feel like this they should win uh, yeah. and get some more points out of it. Of course, they at least got a point out of it, but um, yeah, that's uh, and and that with the first goal for Kamara um, as well. On the other side, there was also um, a first goal for o- Ojo um, in um, yeah in, in, for Gortek. Uh, who are, despite this point, back to bottom. So they, they don't really gain that much, at least in the, not directly, maybe indirectly. Uh, of course, uh, on the longer run, in the longer run, they, they come closest to a few teams, at least. Um, but uh, it was also their first point away from home this season. That's uh, I guess that you something you can call progress as well. And, um, well, in the 17th minute, we got uh, the Sisako Derby again as well, the two brothers playing against each other. Um, I think they swapped teams, uh, both of them, by since the last time I've mentioned this in the podcast. Yeah, not a lot of people know about that, actually, so I'm glad you mentioned that. It's always a, an interesting thing to kind of watch out for. Um, yeah, I think both those sides... Um, you know, just kind of need to keep working hard. I mean, it's interesting one from Molenbeek's point of view because I suppose, although they're looking to get more out of games, they're still picking up points, and I, I think that's a sign of encouragement for them. Obviously, they've got some injuries that they would rather not have at the moment as well, so they're not quite at full strength. Um, but they're certainly kind of stronger at home than than, than away from home, and that, that that continues to be the case. Let's move on, shall we, geographically to to somewhere not too far from Brussels in in. Leuven, 
Leuven losing uh, 2-0 at home to, to Westerlo. Huge win for Westerlo, really. Only their, their second of the season, one that, that's really badly needed, takes them off, off the bottom of the table, which psychologically, obviously, is a... Uh, is a very big thing. Goals coming from uh, Nicholas Madsen and Serhai Sidorchuk. And strong midfield performance, I thought, from Westerlo. I thought they controlled um, the majority of this game and, and always looked like I think they were going to edge this one. Living in particular were pretty poor in the second half. Uh, interim coach Eddie Van Amel, um, who has now made way for the new T1, who will who will discuss in more detail in a second. Eddie Van Hamel was talking about how disappointed he was with that second half performance, saying that you know after they lost the first goal, he felt that, and these are not his words, but he he he, he felt that they'd kind of chucked it. They sort of gave up. The heads went down, and um, obviously they conceded a second uh, not too long after that, and 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 the game game's over by then. Um, Leuven obviously have are, are have got real problems defensively at the moment. They've got the joint second worst record um, defensively, and this is something that the the new T one, who we now know is uh, Spanish coach Oscar Garcia Yoris, the fifty year old um, attacking midfielder, as a player played for Barcelona, uh, Albacete, uh, Valencia. Who incidentally he was a Champions League runner up with them. Um, not a lot of people know that. That's one for the pub quizzes when it comes up. Uh, also played for uh, Espanyol and uh, Lieda. Um, and as a T1, he's he's got plenty of experience as well. Uh, spells at Maccabi Tel Aviv, uh, Brighton, Watford, Red Bull, Salzburg, Saint Etienne, Olympiacos, Celta Vigo and Ram most recently. Uh, that was his most recent job. So, you know, he's been around and he's, he's won some things as well. You know, he won the league title with Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, he won the league and cup double in Austria when he was at Red Bull Salzburg. So he does have some honours as a as a head coach. And it's a really interesting appointment this year is because it's a big statement of the way I think they, they, they're going to want to try and play now. Generally expansive, obviously, attacking football because that's the, the school and philosophy that he comes from. He's actually a close friend and colleague of Jordi Kreuz, who needs no introduction, um, Johan's son. Um, and he knows Johan quite well too, because he was actually part of Johan's coaching staff when Johan was the T1 for the, the Catalonian national team. And that then led him to getting his first coaching job as a T1 when uh, Jordi, uh, Johan's son, was sporting director at Maccabi Tel Aviv in Israel. And he appointed uh, Garcia, um, partly through the recommendation uh, of his dad, interestingly. So there, there's quite a, a, an interesting lineage here. Um, and as I was saying, they're, they're pretty pretty poor defensively at the moment, Leuven. So the idea of bringing in an expansive attacking coach is very interesting and very positive. But when you look at that defence and the balance in that midfield, without some, you know, without some real work, and he's got his work cut out, that's for sure at the moment, because their, their confidence is very brittle. Um, then, you know, bringing in an expansive coach in this situation could could be very, very tricky for them. What, what do you make of that appointment? Well, he definitely indeed will have his work cut out. Um, yeah, more trouble looming as well with the bottom teams getting points this weekend. Um, well, of course, they helped one of those uh, in the saddle um, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do I make of that appointment? Well, we'll have indeed to see. It could be, it, it 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 feels tricky to say a bit about uh, much about his his, uh, his coaching um, merits. 
yes, he won the title in the cup with Red Bull Salzburg, but to be honest, a lot of coaches can say that. Um, yeah. Slot style was not very successful at Rennes. Uh, uh, were uh, well, uh, we all know who his uh, successor is there. Mm -hmm. as well, uh, he's still there, uh, an old uh, manager in uh, our league, of course, in uh, Will Still. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so we'll definitely like I've, as usual. I've with these things. I, I I like to wait and see a bit. Um, but yeah, definitely work to do there. That defense just keeps being an issue. Uh, silly change, challenge of Mendil this time. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. That's it's it's difficult to to win games, of course, when when players sometimes do things like that. And on the other hand, we saw Mendil almost score a hat trick uh, one or two weeks ago as well. So yeah. He, uh, yeah, he is that kind of player. Well, that, that some you would, might want some more consistency, of course, and that's a bit of the issue uh, with the whole squad, maybe even um, that uh, I think you can say. For Westerlo, then yeah, um, first starts for uh, for Pete uh, Pete Fort Pete Fort. Apparently, you need to pronounce it in a Dutch way and not a French one. In uh, Haidara. Um, yeah, Haidara on the on the other hand, so both uh, players from 2005, by the way, so uh, 18 year old. So that's uh, was a quite a bold move from uh, from the Rook uh, for sure. Um, uh, but yeah, Haidara on the other hand, all of us quite lucky to not be sent off in the first half already as well. Uh, with a well, he he already had gotten a yellow card and he had made a very very dangerous uh, tackle. He was a, definitely a bit of a lucky boy there. Um, but yeah, um, for Westerlo, all all good things to take from this game, I guess. Uh, clean sheets, uh, first win. Um, uh, not a first win, but a win. Probably the first win. No, definitely the first win away from home, off of last place, and more importantly than just getting off out of the last place, also, yeah, connecting with a peloton of teams now and being within reach of um, safety in a way. Okay, still very early days to talk about such things, but it's it's good to be closer to the back uh, and uh, they definitely are at the moment uh, when, you know, a, a really nice goal uh, from Sidorchuk for that second one as well definitely worth a shout yeah it's interesting they've kind of given themselves a little bit of a foothold now we'll see if we can uh, they can give themselves a, a lift up this kind of coming weekend just circling back to Garcia again for a second one of the interesting things about him is he's never spent longer than 18 months at any club either so um, he doesn't he doesn't tend to hang around for too long to sort of build anything so that that would be a slight a slight worry um, and he's actually he's definitely dropping in at the deep end not just because they're 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 obviously in a spot of trouble at the moment um, when you look at their first three fixtures because he was he, although he was at the game this weekend he wasn't he wasn't in the dugout it was Eddie Van Amel's uh, last game as interim and he'll now be going back to uh, to be T1 with the, the under 23s at Leuven Oscar Garcia's first three fixtures are Genk away Club Bruges at home and Antwerp away, so um, he's he's really going to be earning his money um, because they are they're fixtures that you you know you you wouldn't choose in this situation, kind of coming into a job like that. So um, we'll see how um, or if he can he can hit the ground running this weekend um, away to away to Genk. Um, speaking of Genk, this gives me a lovely segue into uh, the game at the Bossel, which finished Antwerp three Genk two, one of the big games of the weekend, and obviously plenty 
plenty of spice in this game at the best of times, but particularly a little bit of hangover from from the, the final weekend of last season, um, which had a you know a, a title deciding game in the end. Um, you know, I, th- I think some of the hangover of that definitely came into this game. It was um, really uh, finely contested, um, a lot of needle, as they like to say, um, and and quite a good watch. Pretty pretty wild game by all accounts. Obviously, Genk were two 0 down after eleven minutes. Uh, Janssen and Ballot Wisher scoring. Um, and I'll I'll just let's let's dive straight into kind of two questions I want to ask you, Joris, before you you know you tell me about kind of Genk's performance this weekend. First of all. Um, was that Antwerp's best performance of the season so far? And should Genk have had a penalty right on half time, which could have completely changed the course of the game, of course? And many people agree that it should have been. More importantly, Janssen also should have gotten a red card in the second half for a ridiculous late challenge on Paintsill, where Paintsill was already with the ball way basically before he put his challenge in. Hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's. Uh, and, and I don't know what uh, what needs to happen uh, for any player to get a red card against Hink. There, there, no opponent has gotten a red card yet. In combination with the red cards they actually have gotten themselves this season, it, it's getting ridiculous. Um, it's I don't see any theory on that or something, but just incompetence. Uh, so at times. Uh, yes, this is. Uh, I'm trying to keep it short, but this is definitely one of my referee events. Uh, I will get back to the game because I do not think that it was uh, decided by that necessarily, but mm. it plays a factor in coming, maybe coming back in it or not. But um, yeah, definitely uh, some some weird things happening. Also, yeah, the same thing. Like also frustrating, adding that, adding more frustration that it was again the penalty not given against Antwerp. While um, in the fixture, both playoff fixtures, the, the, there were some decisions that went Antwerp's way already that uh, might not have gotten Kings' way uh, and could have gotten Kings' way in, into last season as well, which are ultimately title-deciding uh, moments. Hmm. Yeah, there, there is a lot of first. I'm, I'm voicing the frustration of a lot of Kings fans here, I suppose. Uh, for the, um, of course, in this specific game, yeah, the Antwerp I did deserve the win just by, based on the fact that Hink um, were well not ready for it. It seems they, they they like I said they started for the first three or four minutes they played quite okay. They were having the position, playing comfortably at the ball, comfortably at the ball. But uh, after that, uh, well, it was clear that the same issue still uh, exists at. Uh, at, at, at the left wing, um, uh, sing, uh, Van Bommel knows that already last season as well. The, the attacking that left uh, left back position doesn't necessarily aim at a player. Even I think it's more about the space that there is there uh, with Arteaga. And in this case, then the the, the El Canus uh, on front who was not there. Although I would say that it's not his fault that uh, that his man uh, fell. Uh, was able to to run through twice for the two first goals, uh, which effectively killed the game early on, or at least it seemed like it did. Um, but yeah, also the, the the of course the point of of getting uh, Alcanus there was to have that stronger midfield, uh, and one of those midfielders, I, I I think it was Rosowski probably in this case, uh, should have covered that area uh, that space, but uh, yeah. it didn't happen twice. 
yeah, and um, it, it's it's and uh, in this specific game, it's extra frustrating that it's again happening like that. And Van Bommel really clearly clearly knows uh, how to instruct his players to, uh, where where they they should run against Hink, and this is what's <laughs> costing them a bit. Also, in general, in the top games. Um, so far this season as well. Um, also, it was their first uh, loss, nonetheless. Um, Sekiri uh, scored one after the, the first of the giveaway goals of the weekend. There were a few more, which we'll touch on later on. That, uh, yeah, th- that brought Hink back into the game. Then, um, yeah, also on the other, uh, the third Antwerp goal, also a bit of a trademark one. So also not really happy how how that was able to play out. I think there the, the blame is more even more a bit more on the players than on the, the on, on the manager. But mm. yeah, you, we all know that Alderweireld can play the ball in the in space, and um, yeah, that that happens. And it was narrowly onside, uh, unfortunately for for Henk fans uh, and uh, like me. Yeah, then. Um, yeah, that, that 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 definitely killed the game. Uh, Sekiri brought a little bit of tension in it back um, with on the unwrapping the gift um, in uh, two times, and then the phase happened with with Han and might have like the combination of these phases uh, right before and right after halftime. So a penalty given to Hink um, and uh, the, the the well not given red cards to Janssen. Um, definitely, yeah, that, that could have the, turned the momentum. In the end, it didn't. Um, there were a few chances more for, for both sides. Uh, Balikwisha was actually playing. I, I have to give him a shout. He was playing really well. I'm, I'm not entirely convinced uh, like he, because he's also lacking that consistency like uh, I was mentioning before at uh, other players that, um, that in this game he was outstanding. Uh, could have gotten four even uh, Hit a, so scored twice and um, hit a hit a woodwork twice as well. Um, one was bril- was was after a brilliant save of Van der Voort, push, pushing it to the to against the bar still. But uh, regardless, yeah, there. This is also a fixture that just always gives you the goals, um, especially here the the one at the Bozel. I have the feeling. Um, yeah, and talking about Janssen, of course, also not only his red card, he also scored that goal. It was his first goal in 10 league games, as mm. well, so ending ending a big uh, dry spell there. Um, yeah, definitely, definitely uh, good for his confidence. Um, yeah, and, and, and a bit for a very frustrating game in the sense that uh, Ranke still doesn't really seem to have an answer against Van Bommel. Uh, he only won the one in the for one of their five or six account, counter encounters now. And uh, that's uh, that's slightly starting to get a, a bit in the heads, I, I fear as well. Um, yeah, and, it, and on Henk in general, yeah, seems still not really to getting really fully started in the season. It's, it's a bit of stop and go. Um, this being a stop point, um, of course. Um, let's uh, see if they can turn it around. Still, they're in an okay position, but. Not not in the position they would have liked before the season started as well, of course. Uh, to end on a good note, um, Tolu, both Tolu and Bonsaba showing some good signs uh, coming on as subs, uh, being having an impact. Um, yeah, and um, well, also still noteworthy, I guess, Munoz scoring the fourth goal, which was mm-hmm. basically the, the last hit of the game, uh, which made him makes him the top scorer of the team, which also tells you a little bit about the story 
luckily at least there was a lot of that was already his fourth goal and there was a lot of players standing on trees or as long as there's still a lot of tough players chipping in it's uh, it's okay but uh, i've talked about this last week i think as well um yeah this can can be a good thing and it can be can be or it can be a bad thing so far it's not hurting them too much but um let's see uh yeah, I'm still I'm still not completely sure where the season will go, and I I, I hoped I would know by now because that would have been a good sign. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a long way to go. There's definitely a long way to go. Yeah, and a lot of football to be played. I was quite uh, impressed by Bilal Elkanous this weekend. I I thought he had a really good game. I thought he made a a bit of a difference uh, for the Genkies. He was getting into good areas and and kind of trying to make things happen. Um, and for for a lot of the game, particularly in the first half, Genk looked a little bit off. And you know you were talking about you know Van Bommel kind of getting getting the better um, of out of ranking um, recently, and I, and I think that's true. We know that how thorough Van Bommel's preparation is. He knows the players to target. Um, and and the little things to do tactically, I think they make a difference. It's interesting, you know. You mentioned Pansel earlier. I think he was on the receiving end of of some pretty rough treatment, as you were saying, and not for the first time in this fixture as well. So he's definitely a player that Mark van Bommel has kind of targeted because he knows how important he is to to gain, to um, to to give him. Um, to give him a hard time, um, in, including roughing him up a little bit, and that was something I spoke about, you know, in, in, in a reserve fixture um, uh, when, when they previously played as well. So the, there's some patterns kind of starting to play out in this this particular fixture, but it was certainly full of entertainment, and uh, there could well have been more goals in it. And I wouldn't have been shocked if it had finished three each in the end. You know, I was asking about the 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 penalty, which obviously a lot of people have been talking about uh, a lot already this week, right on half time. If that had been given and Genk had scored, they would have got in 3-2 at half time, which makes the second half entirely different. And Genk were definitely better in the second half. Um, obviously, the game's kind of gone by then, but, you know, small things turn games, as we know. And I, I just for the record, I felt that was a penalty. I, I don't think many people thought that it wasn't, perhaps with the exception of Antwerp fans and, and uh, the officials on the game. But, you know, if, if you're a coach and receiving end of that, you're going to be screaming for that every every time. You just, you can't raise your hands um, that that high, I don't think. It was it was, it was definitely a penalty. Um, that's, the, that's the way I saw it. Um, Let's move on, shall we, to uh, Bruges and the Anne Bridal. Uh, Circle Bruges nil, Anderlecht 3. Anderlecht uh, really starting to purr reasonably nicely now. Um, strong performance from this weekend. I thought their kind of um, experience and creative qualities really got them through this game. Um, Circle, not not actually too bad at all in the first half hour, causing a few problems. They've actually had um, they've had a bad week. Circle, uh, when you think about it, obviously they they went out of the cup to to Zulta after going ahead. Zulta managing to turn the tie around. Um, which will be disappointing for them. And then after that, off the back of that, they lose three quite important players for a few weeks. They've lost Ravic, Summers and and Lopez, which will give obviously some other players a, a chance now. Um, so that, that that's not ideal for them. Um, although their form generally recently has been been not too bad, um, and I I think you know Mira Muslich was quite philosophical this week when he said that you know they'll they'll learn from that they'll learn from um, you know being beaten by a side who who have creative power firepower which when they use it properly um, you know can can turn games very quickly. I thought Circle defensively were a little bit suspect for a couple of the goals. I felt they were just a little bit static. Um, 
and, and probably could have done better in that. Obviously, um, Dreyer and Dolberg both scoring and assisting for one another in this game, which was kind of quite amusing. But the game was over early. Brian Reimer was uh, delighted with the first half, which is where the game was obviously won. And it was very nice to see him actually have a really lovely moment with Miron Muslic after the game. Um, I don't know exactly what he said to him, but it was very clear that he, you know, he was, he's clearly been very complimentary, I think, about the work that Miron Muslic is doing there. And um, Brian Reimer talking as well about how it was important for Anderlecht to go into this game and perform the way that he knows that they can because they were playing a side that prepare very well um, are arguably the best pressers in the league um, and have a system that, that that's difficult to kind of get around um, unless you have enough creative outlets to make the best of it, which which Anderlecht um, do. Encouragingly for Anderlecht, this is their first shutout in quite a while as well, I think since match day two or three. Um, so that's gone back sort of 11 games or so. So that that's a, a small but perhaps not insignificant start for uh, for them to hold on to. Uh, they remain in second, keeping the pressure up on, on Union and on the whole are, are looking good, as I was saying. They have another big game coming up next. They are away to Ghent, which will be very interesting this coming weekend. Yes, you touched on the clean sheet there. That was, of course, indeed also the first clean sheet for Kasper Schmeichel. And uh, that's on his uh, 37th birthday as well. So uh, he will be particularly happy with that. Even though for the cameras, he said it, he just always wants to have a clean sheet. And whether also like there was a final chance, uh, I think the last kick of the game was uh, a rebound from a free kick from uh, from Cirque de Brugge, where he seemed to be really angry at his defense as well, that they, that they still got the shot. But, mm-hmm. uh, well, he, he said like he would have been as angry if it would have been the 10th minutes or the game or something. Probably even more angry, I guess, since in this case, it didn't really matter that much anymore for the outcome of the game itself. Only potentially for his bonuses, I guess, uh, that might be included in his contract. Uh, not that I know anything of that, by the way. But, uh, <laughs> just assuming here. Well, it's uh, interesting, um, you know, you mentioning that shutout as well because Casper's uh, dad, Peter, was in town in, in Bruges this weekend, and uh, it was nice to see him at halftime. He was uh, posing for some selfies with Circle fans and signing some autographs. He's in amongst the Circle fans, and in disguise, actually, he did he did have a hat and his collar up. He was, he was trying to keep a reasonably low profile, but it was it was nice to see when he was recognised by some Circle fans who went over to him. For pictures and autographs, that he was he was happy to oblige and do that. That's um, he's he, he's a good lad, Peter, and 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 mixing with and meeting with uh, whoever wants to kind of uh, gra- grab a moment with him. That's for sure. Yeah, then uh, to stay, stay at Anderlecht still. Um, well, also all the youngsters last week I mentioned Leoni, uh, and then this time uh, I guess I mentioned both Struikers and Stardella really. Yeah, they, they're, they're uh, getting the advantages of playing in an experienced squad around them, I, I suppose, even though that didn't save them um, in, in stand, standard. But apart from that game, they, they are being really... Uh, yeah, and even there in, the, in that game, it also was only one, mainly one half, of course, that, uh, they, that they were off. But uh, they, they really are showing signs of a, of a breakthrough. Um, and that's uh, always good to see, to see young Belgian talents uh, breakthrough, of course. Uh, after, especially after they actually, well, already had gotten their chances uh, in, in in seasons prior, but yeah, maybe because of the circumstances, um, didn't it all didn't pan out as well as now. It seems like everything is falling into place, not only for them but for but for the team as well. They are finding the net very easily lately. 
now now firmly in the top three. Um, yeah, four wins out of the last five games as well. Um, so only that that one game in Standard, of course. The only thing that 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 uh, that could be a worry for them for them, I do not know if there's an update on that yet. I do not think so because I think it, it is relatively big news. Uh, big player involved uh, is of course the injury for Vertonghen, who um, yeah was not was really hoping that he didn't break anything. Um, after what uh, is what he said after the game, and of course that's a, that's a position where they're less stuffed than at others, so that's uh, definitely a potential worry for them. Um, but yeah, okay, a potential one so far, but uh, just worth a little shout here. So on Circle, you actually said uh, almost everything I, said, I wanted to say as well. Of course, uh, not the best week with being out of the, being thrown out of the cup as well. Still a bit of a still on track for us, that very symmetrical streak that, that I was talking about last week. Uh, yeah, three mm-hmm. wins, three wins, three losses, uh, three wins. Hopefully for them, it doesn't mean that there are still uh, two more leg- uh, losses to come uh, before they they pick up points again. Although maybe in the bigger picture, if it actually would pan out like that, uh, they won't be too unhappy about it. But uh, yeah, this um, talking about uh, coaches that seem to to that know how to play other coaches. Uh, Riemer uh, beats uh, Muslic tw- twice now in the last uh, two uh, encounters, and I think that's uh, only two encounters quite comfortably as well. So it seems like uh, he has found the key, or maybe also has the players uh, as well to to play out uh, and and to 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 combat with Circle as well and. Um, yeah, to have the, that he has the right tools at his disposal and is using them wisely against uh, a difficult uh, side to play against in Circle Review. Yeah, I suppose from Circle's perspective, Joris, they've got the ideal fixture coming up this weekend to try and get that, that bad week out of their system. The the, the big Bruges derby's coming up uh, in which Circle will be the away side this weekend at the at the Jan Bridal. Um, and the interesting thing about that, psychologically actually, and obviously we'll, we'll, we'll talk much more about that next weekend after the game, um, is is the circle go into this game um, ahead of Club Rouge in the table for the first time? And well, we'll throw that question out to you. When was the last time Circle Bruges went into to a derby ahead ahead of Club, who have a little bit of pressure on them at the moment? So it'll be really interesting to see how how both sides kind of respond to that. But that's the sort of fixture that I think is ideal to get a bad week um, out of your system. Uh, let's move on, shall we, to uh, Liège. Um, we will will head south and slightly east down to Liège. Uh, standard Liège drawing one all with Mechelen. Um, a game in honesty that that had very few chances. We know that both these sides have really been struggling offensively um, in recent months, so there was never likely to be very many goals in this game. Um, standard obviously going one 0 up um, with a, a a rare bit of quality, but a beautiful uh, set piece from the the Sklesen Samurai. Hey Kawabe, wonderful goal, wonderful free kick. Um, and then Mechelen were were gifted an equaliser very late on. Obviously, Rob Scoof's taking advantage of a of, of a really uh, badly mistimed uh, back pass uh, back to Bodar from uh, William Balakwisha, which Mechelen kind of pounced on. And to be honest, didn't didn't really look like they were going to get themselves back into the game. They they had a couple of chances 
um, which they probably should have done better from that they that they wasted. But ultimately, they they stopped the relative rot of their recent form and, and come away from Scalison with a with a point. Um, Mecklen obviously still in the relegation zone. Um, we know in the past week that uh, Stephen Defoe has left the club now. Um, which was no real surprise. I think the pressure had been building for a while and things just weren't happening. Um, he'd been in post for just under a year, obviously, um, stepping up to become T1 uh, last October. Um, he's now out uh, 40 matches as, as T1 at Mechelen, 15 wins, 18 defeats and 7 draws, average points per match, uh, 1.3. And obviously the the club are deciding to to dismiss him after 6 defeats in the last 7 in in all competitions. And the final straw was obviously going out against uh, Knock in the Cup on penalties uh, after they'd gone ahead in that tie as well. Stephen DeFore talking after that game about um, how he felt the players just weren't motivated enough, which obviously you know was a was a pretty bad sign of what was to come. I think, and you know, within hours, uh, the club made the decision to make a change. They've got a, a big decision to to make now, Yoris, don't they? Because I think they're in a tricky position. Um, there, there's not a lot that's rosy there at the moment. They they have a lot of injury problems. And to be fair to Stephen Defour, actually, uh, at the tail end of last season, they, they had ongoing injury issues that kind of plagued them. Uh, they managed to get to the cup final, which I think probably bought them a little bit of time. And things just haven't worked out this season. They've, they've not been able to get any consistency going at all and have been really struggling to score. And there's a feeling that, you know... Um, you know, things were kind of just getting worse. And when a coach comes out and says that he feels, you know, the motivation's not there anymore, then I personally felt the change was was actually inevitable. Um, and from a Mecklen point of view, it's unfortunate because obviously he's, he's a Mecklen boy. Um, you know, he's from Mecklen as well. So nobody doubts Stephen DeFour's kind of commitment to the club. But unfortunately, it just hasn't worked. And I think the club rightly and wisely have, have made a change. It's going to be really interesting to see what road they go down now, I think. Um, do they bring in someone who they see being there longer term or do they make what is you know, a more of a short-term appointment and just uh, focus on, on on survival this season. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the board and the sporting director there, um, Tim Tim Matthijs, can come up with. Yep, that's a big question, of course. Uh, well, more on that for in the next weeks. Who knows already in the next episode? Uh, so far, no signs of that, I think. But uh, um, yeah, they definitely will need to make the change uh, relatively quickly. Yeah, on the game... Based on the quality of chances they missed, I feel like it actually was a game that Mechel will will like will have feel will feel like they lo- actually didn't uh, yeah that they lost two points uh, yeah two points instead of gaining one. Of course, it will feel differently since they only equalized in the in the final minutes. Uh, but yeah, um, def- uh, then yeah because Tandar has been has been stable uh, defensively unstable throughout the whole game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was not really a surprise. Already in the first half, there was a close uh, ball where, where Bodar was uh, luckily just fast enough, uh, uh, unlike what he was in the second half. Although, well, he actually was fast enough, but he couldn't clear it well enough anymore. Um, yeah, that 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 was didn't really come as a surprise. Um, yeah, and gifting a goal in last minutes at home against a side you would consider a smaller side, it's something we have seen from Standard before, didn't we? So yeah, that's uh, the 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 issues there are still not completely gone. It seems. 
Um, yeah, back to Mechler, despite the points, also not a very good weekend again, since a lot of teams around them um, actually have gotten uh, points as mm. well, in, especially the Westerlo win, of course. Uh, that makes them uh, creep closer uh, and uh, well closer to the, not only the relegation playoffs but also relega- relegation spot, which is at the moment not that important yet, of course. But uh, nonetheless, but um, yeah, on, all in all, probably a good point for Michel, of course. But I feel I personally feel like uh, that they had maybe not the amount of chances, maybe even also, but especially the. Yeah, the, the how big the chances uh, were that they missed, some of the chances they missed. Um, yeah, that that uh, is of course part of the problem for them as well, of course. Uh. Yeah, uh, Loberbach missed uh, one particular chance uh, just on the edge of the six-yard box where, you know, he seemingly all he had to do was get it on target, but um, he caught it all wrong. And uh, as you said at the time, um, maybe he was playing rugby, (laughs) Uh, which maybe he was. Um, I think one of the issues, obviously, you know, that's been hanging over Mecklen for a while is the recruitment's been very disappointing as well, um, which didn't help Stephen Defoe. And even this summer, the recruitment, I think, is not quite um there's maybe only two players there that come in uh this summer who i think you know have the potential to have any kind of impact perhaps longer term in in patrick fluck and and, and mori canati but that's another thing that's kind of plagued them that that's that's not helped this overall picture when you look at some of their their fixtures coming up they've got some important ones um that might alleviate their situation slightly if they can if they can win those they've got charlois at home um this weekend then they've got a really big game, they go to the Guildensporn to play Cortrike before being at home to, to St Truden. So there are games there coming up that um, can make a real difference if they can get the the results that they want before they then play Club Bruges and uh, Union Saint-Gelois. So um, potentially they would want to t- obviously try and get their new T1 in at some point over the next the next couple of weeks before those those bigger games against Club and Union come up. Um, but they're, they're in reasonably good hands under uh, Frederick van der Beest at the moment. He's obviously been at the club for a while. He, he knows the setup there um, and he, he made some interesting little tinkery changes uh, this weekend which were uniquely his own. He's starting uh, Patrick Fluck uh, and Baffadil obviously getting getting a, a, a surprise start. That was his reward, I think. For I think he'd scored four and five uh, for Young Mechelen actually, and had been performing really well for them. So that's um, for those who don't know him very well, and I haven't seen him much of him myself actually. But that's why he he was rewarded with his first start this weekend because he'd been performing very well for 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 Young Mechelen. So uh, with other injuries around Mechelen at the moment, um, Nicholas Storm's going to be out for around four months as we know now which is which is a bad loss for them even though he hasn't been at his best for a while um we we may see him getting some 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 more game time which i suppose is 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 one positive in this we do like to see of course young young players um getting game time which they they, they do in belgium so let's move on shall we back to back to brussels uh, back to the capital union sanjawa 2 club bruges 1 and they've done it yoris Union Saint-Gerois have ended that hoodoo, that 59-year hoodoo, uh, without a home win at the Jus of Marion against Club Bruges. 1964 was the last time Union beat Club at home 
Um, and that, that for those who saw this game, explains the, the rapturous scenes at, at full time, not just grabbing the three points, but um, getting that monkey off their back, which I think probably only um, hardcore Union fans would have would have been aware of. But it's a hell of a statistic that going 59 years at home with, without beating club, we actually took in this this reverse fixture uh, round about this time last year. Of course, we we saw a really entertaining 2-2 draw at the Marion um, when the three of us were were together in, in, in Belgium last year um, and yeah they've done it they've got it off their back and actually Union dominated this game never looked like losing it um, Mohamed Amoura continuing to impress um, really nice overhead kick as well for one of his two goals he's now got eight and nine um, and hasn't even been starting all of those nine games as well so um, he is he's looking like one of the hot properties at the moment in, in, in terms of strikers um, that's for sure and uh, what a great pickup he's he's been for them uh, you know we don't need to rave about Union's recruitment anymore we've done that plenty of times but absolutely what a find club on the other hand pretty poor for the most part still not creating enough and and one of the things I wanted to ask you about Yoris was how much pressure do you feel Ronnie Dyla's under at the moment because there was a sense that maybe they were beginning to move beyond this period over the last month or so where they've just been looking a little bit flat having a lot of possession but not really doing anything with the ball and they're out of playoff one again uh, just now 12 points behind Union we know the points halving is still to come but I've got this kind of sense that there's not a great deal of wiggle room really left for them and I feel Ronnie Dyla's under a little bit of pressure because they're just not there's just not a fire in the belly of this club side at the moment really certainly not domestically no you can see that both on Dyla's face this weekend as well at the end of the game um, and, and throughout the game maybe as well and also at the results of course uh, the last away games they only got five away games they only gotten one point um, yeah and okay to be fair, most of these games were difficult ones. So away at Union, of course. Uh, I think uh, away at Anderlecht as well, where that's where they got that one point. And, and, and um, well, a, a derby in Kortrijk as well. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, you expect more from uh, from Club Brugge, of course, at any day of the week, any in whatever form they are. They are. Uh, interestingly, also, uh, I found that Balanta was put on for power, uh, mainly. Again, uh, your favorite player, of course. <laughs> but, um, I was waiting uh, for you to mention him. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but but then he got beaten by Puertas on that first goal right before mm. that, that beautiful finish, of course. There was still a lot of work to do there. But uh, yeah, yeah, that it, it put the ball in a nice position for Amura. Well, and what he did with that was he needed a, a nice... Uh, a nice surprise kick uh, as well, and uh, yeah, he, he I'm talking about Amura and going to Union as well already here because I do feel like they deserve all the praise in this game. It's uh, actually more of a miracle that it's only been one goal difference uh, here. Yet, mm. um, um, yeah, that uh, he got one goal in what is it, 47 minutes or something like that now as an average. So one mm. goal, basically in each half he plays his course, you can see. Which is actually really a crazy, crazy, crazy uh, <laughs> average. Um, I'm sure he won't be able to keep hold on to that, but I'm sure he will try his best to deny my well, to to the to yeah to deny my statement here. <laughs> I guess to be true. Um, yeah, just in general, you know, dominant throughout the whole game, especially in the second half. I found, um, which is then interestingly, of course, also the half where Colombia at some point equalized with a with also a nice finish from the Kerper. 
um, of course. And that, after that, there were maybe five minutes where Klubrige felt like maybe they're in the game and the like Union felt a bit shaken maybe. But yeah, after that, again, um, Amura struck again. Um, yeah, not the easiest of the goals again, but more. I think that's more of a classic uh, one for that that we might see a bit more of him. Um, yeah, him running one on one against the goalkeeper and then passing him one way or another. In the end, he had a little bit of uh, of luck with the finishing, but the defenders couldn't intercept it right before the line. But on the other hand, it was a uh, it was already yeah it was already really well uh, well done before that, and he deserved that goal fully. Um, yeah. Then uh, Rodriguez also missed the penalty, of course, in the last uh, minutes of, as well. That could have been a three-one. Um, yeah, and I'm, 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 yeah, just very impressed uh, with Union. They they really uh, are looking very sharp, um, and yeah, no sign of uh, of holding back at the moment. Uh, I think we can also start building that 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 streak again. So last week I said six wins in a row. Now it's seven in the in the league. That's uh, yeah. These are streaks that get you to the top, of course. And what we can see as well, uh, well, okay, maybe that's more something for in the next game. But we see after this weekend, this can change really quickly as well again. But like the the, the top three sides actually are taking a little bit of distance from the rest. Um, but yeah, there's I think next weekend you need a few games that are between some of the some some good sides uh, that could either widen that gap or bring it back together a bit more as well. But uh, yeah, so let's. I, I suppose I'll take over your role quickly here as well. <laughs> Except no, actually, I'll I'll leave you the chance to still comment on something in the game on this game, of course, if you if you feel like it. But otherwise, I suggest to to, to go to to Hint as well, already as well, which is one of the other sites that are in that top three. Yeah, we're definitely going to need some new superlatives to 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 describe uh, Union. That's for sure, and that's something that I was saying to a couple of people uh, already earlier this week. Uh, speaking of moving on, as you were saying, uh, let's move on to, to somewhere not too far away from Brussels in, in Charleroi, uh, just down the road. Um, Charleroi won uh, Ghent 3, um, a, a, an easy win for Ghent, I felt, totally dominated this game, uh, a deserved win, um, pretty much overpowered Charleroi, uh, didn't really deserve anything out of the game. Um, Tarek Tisadali is really starting to, to perform again, he's got four in his last four, if you include uh, uh, last week's uh, Europa League fixture as well, and Ein van Eisenbrook's uh, preferring him uh, ahead of Gift Orban um, at the moment who remains, shall we say, um, a little frustrated, uh, Gift Orban, you know, him speaking this week about how irritated he is about not starting games and saying, look, I'm not the sort of player who um, can come on in a game and necessarily perform and I need to know I'm starting to know that you know, a team has, has confidence in me. But, you know, he comes on and he, he, he scores um, you know, and and and, and contributes, uh, but a strong performance uh, from Ghent, um, who interestingly have got a. I was looking at this today, actually, Yoris. They've got a really tough schedule um, ahead of them, and a couple of interesting things uh, about it. That I want to ask you about. They, looking at their schedule, they've got a uh, Bride Blick away in Europe, Anderlecht at home, Union at home, Zoria at home. Um, 
and then Genk away, um, which is a really tough schedule, I think. So, you know, that squad, which we know has got depth in it now, um, they're really going to have to pull in all of that to um, to keep their, their, their pretty decent form going. And the thing looming in the horizon I wanted to ask you about was, we've talked about how if they can keep everybody fit, they might be able to go quite close this year and put in a real challenge. How worried are we about January? Because they're going to lose quite a few uh, to the African Cup of Nations. And that's going to be a really key month, I think, for how their season's going to pan out. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they do in the transfer market in January. We know that uh, head scout Samuel Cardenas left recently um, and has been replaced by somebody else. So there's been recruitment changes um, in the background again as well. And I'm just wondering already, even in early November, I've got one eye on January and, and just wondering where they're going to be at this point because obviously there's a lot of pre-planning that must be going on now to handle a situation where they're going to lose a lot of key players. And obviously in the meantime, it's important that they keep picking up points with what is a, a really tough schedule. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do about that. Charleroi obviously just not able to quite get things going, managing to stay just outside the relegation zone still. They've got some very winnable fixtures coming up. They're away to Mechelen next. They've got Westerlo at home and then Molenbeek away after that. So um, they've got a reasonably favourable run of fixtures, but they're, they're just not able to get into any kind of a rhythm at the moment, Joris. No, indeed. But okay, I'll first get to your question about Gent. Yeah, not only the African Cup of Nations, but also the Asian Games, uh, I believe. Or no, not the Asian Games. I believe these are just an Asian Cup then. At least another tournament in Asia, which which means both Hong and Watanabe can also be included on, but on the potential, uh, yeah, being out of the, uh, out of the the yeah the this out of the loop for a while. That depending on if they get called up, of course, uh, that goes for all players. Uh, to also extend that already a bit, this could also really cause issues at Sintra, especially with their goalkeepers, uh, both the first to second, um, being able to be called up for Japan. But um, mm-hmm. that's that's a, a topic we will probably discuss when it comes. Uh, but uh, just a, already uh, a forewarning then, I guess. But um, yeah, definitely uh, a good performance from Ghent. And yeah, they, they, this can definitely hurt them, these, these uh, two cups, especially after this tough run of games. Um, we'll, we'll have to see if they get through them. Then, then like they, they really are going to be in a really good position for sure. Mm. Uh, and then, then maybe they might be less worried about a few games with a bit less, um, um, yeah, less of key players in there, and more confident in being able to kill them without uh, them even. But um, depending on how how much the how, how big the points haul is that they will have by then. Um, yeah, the things can change to the to, for the worse as well, of course. But definitely, you touched on it already. Tisadali looks like he's finally really back. Of course, he started making appearances uh, at the end of the last season again as well after his injury. Mm-hmm. But you could still see and feel that he was not completely there it, even in the beginning of this season. Like I think it's only since indeed like a final. Uh, the whole month or so, I guess. Well, m- basically, when once he started scoring again, probably did some good for his confidence as well. Um, yeah, that that is really fe- that it really feels like he fits in again. Uh, he unwrapped the last gift of the of the of this uh, game as well, of the of this game day as well, of course, of the weekends uh, as well with uh, that for, with his uh, with that one nil. 
of course, also good for Orban to also be back on the scoring sheets after Kuipers also broke his own bad scoring record in the league last weekend. Um, and then, yeah, and, and maybe get some frustration off of, of him as well, I guess, especially with Orban, you could see that mm. it was growing on him. Um, let's see if it's indeed a bit of his shoulders now. And how do you always, how, how is the cliche phrase there, of course, that the ketchup bottle is opened again? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, hate, I hate myself for saying that. But, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is, uh, unfortunately, a football language now, now of course. But uh, yeah, in on Charleroi, yeah, it really looks like they just had a few good weeks um, yeah. where I guess Mazu saved himself a bit as well. Uh, and, and just literally two wins, I believe that was. And now like it does look like it's going to be a, a long season for them uh, again. Uh, just uh, yeah, before a few good weeks before falling down again. Although uh, that my next fact and final fact might um, contradict it a little bit. Uh, that it was their first home loss, notably the, this season. But um, yeah, nonetheless, they are not picking enough up enough points and also generally not playing well enough to, mm. to really to be confident in what the, the rest of the season, what the remainder of the season will bring for them. Yeah, it's been it's been a strange one from their point of view because there's enough players with quality there to, to certainly be doing better. And that, that begs the question, you know, what, why why they aren't doing a little bit better than than they are, particularly having held on to, you know, big hitters like Adam Zorgan, who's a, a very important player. And I, I know he's a, he's a big favourite of yours. Um, we'll see how they do over the next few weeks, as I was saying, with, with fixtures that on paper at least are, are, are favourable from, from a points point of view for, for them. Okay, well that, that just about wraps up the Pro League roundup for this week. Let's drop down to the, the Challenger Pro League for match day 11, shall we, Joris? Um, we'll do a score roundup first, as always. Jong Genk lost 3-2 to RFC Liège. Zalta Varagam lost 1-0 at home to Oostend. Anderlecht Futures drew one all with Lommel. Franck Barat won 2-1 against SL16. Liers and Beveren drew two each. Uh, another draw, uh, one each in this time between uh, Denza and Dender. Patro Eisden beat Sarang two goals to one and Club Next were defeated by 10-man Beershot two goals to nil. So in terms of the bigger picture, uh, Zulta remained top, Joris, despite their defeat. They actually played quite quite well this weekend. They had one of those games where the ball just wouldn't go over the line for them and sure enough, sucker punch, uh, Maxime Darpino scoring uh, a really lovely goal from a corner actually. Balls played across and he hit it rather sweetly from the edge of the 18-yard box, kind of straight in. A uh, really nice goal. So yeah, Zulta remained top despite their defeat. Lomo, uh, who have been doing very well so far this season. They've now slipped out of the top two uh, for the first time, albeit on goal difference. Um, so they're, they're, they're still sitting good. Beershaw are now up to, to second. They've they've leapfrogged uh, Lomelin goal difference after that 10-man win against uh, Club Next. They've been a reasonable run of form recently and are kind of gathering a bit of pace. Patro Eisden are now up to fourth as well. Um, they're on a decent run at the moment. And interestingly, Joris, only three points separate the top six sides at the moment. And I think it's... Um, 
the top seven sides separated by uh, three points as well. So it's it's getting incredibly tight there. Uh, and although it's still early days, you know that there are sides that that perhaps are not doing as well as we would have expected this season. Beveren being one of them, um, there is still a chance for them to maintain some momentum when you consider how tight things are getting. Beveren couldn't quite hold on for the win this weekend. Um, much the better side against Lairs, um, looking a little bit tired towards the end of the game, and I think that was a big factor in why they conceded um, late on. They've been on a decent run, couldn't quite get three wins on the bounce going in, in the league, but they've, they've picked up their form um, a little bit. But yeah, it's getting, it's getting all rather tight there. Yes, definitely. Um, all to play for. The main thing I take away from this uh, this weekend is then, the, uh, on the other hand, something that has to do with a manager, which is Stan Stan, which uh, we stole yeah. the show again. Um, yeah, in in the bad way. Uh, he already got seven or eight yellow cards, I believe, this season. Um, and impressive. And, uh, <laughs> now we got a yeah a red card as well. Mm. Um, after protesting and uh, and 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 gesture making gestures to to the head referee, uh, referee but also um yeah not being kind to the to the fourth referee fourth official uh, definitely uh, either so now they are charging him that uh, we'll see if the charges uh, will will be dropped or will uh, it gets lighter but uh, for four games now um yeah and like to be honest given the 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 the, the measurements and like, like you can't keep collecting cards I feel like it's definitely in place, and maybe you should even go go further, and then like, at some point punish someone who does that all the time uh, harder. But uh, that's not that's not up to me, of course. Uh, but like I, I, I personally feel like this is a bit of a yeah a shameful evolution, and like you should not want that in your in your league and try to ban that behavior a bit more harshly, even. Um, but yeah, this is, might be a first step, of course, depending on uh, what eventual. Uh, punishment will be for him. Yeah, it's an interesting one that, as is the other bit of news this week as well about there's been a lot of talk about the the lack of VAR being in place um, in the Challenger Pro League. Um, we've seen some, you know, pretty questionable decisions um, in recent weeks, um, and the spotlight's been on that again. And there there seems to be a a slightly understandable uh, reluctance on the club's part to to meet the costs of of, of VAR and the CPL. Um, we know that it would cost each individual club around a bit well a little over 80,000 euros each um you know to put into the pot to to make that happen and collectively they seem reluctant to do that which is kind of unfortunate because of some of the bad decisions we've seen recently as well but I think there's a general feeling that VAR isn't necessarily serving the game that well at the moment that's certainly the feeling I'm getting from from some of the CPL clubs as to why they're why they're reluctant um to to, to necessarily put up that money as well did you have any thoughts on that story this week yours uh, my thoughts are more general that well, I I do feel like it, this should not only be on on the Challenger Pro League clubs, but like the Pro League in general, and in that doing even all all teams in the Pro League, so both in both first divisions, so that uh, the cost gets a bit more divided as well. It gets a smaller cost for everyone, so including the the one uh, the, the 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 Jupiter Pro League sides, mm-hmm. as these are the two Pro League side, uh, leagues, Pro Leagues in Belgium, the professional leagues, literally. 
Um, but yeah, I know there are some difficulties with that as well. Uh, what I'm seeing here, but like in my mind, that that they should all pitch in and yeah, not only the teams in the, in the second division, but also in the first division, and just in general that. There is a lot of things that can go better with VAR um, and like with with how to organize the whole system around VAR is what I mean. But also, of course, there is always going to be uh, decisions that are questionable, even with VAR. That is also a, a factor, <laughs> of course. But yeah, if my money seems to be an issue, I feel like it there should be a way around that. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that's going to evolve because it's certainly become clearer in recent weeks that it's becoming more urgent that, that, it, that it comes in, I think, um, just in order to give everybody a bit a bit more confidence and, and, and a sense of, yeah, a sense of fairness and, and professionalism as well because it's not it's not particularly tenable now, I think, for even even a lower division, a division below the top division to to not have VAR. It just it seems, it seems very strange to all of us and this is some that I'm sure that we'll, we'll come back to, to to discussing. Well, I think that's that's just about it for for this week, Joris. Um, good luck to all of the Belgian sides in European action this weekend. You know what you have to do: bring us back some coefficient points. Um, it's been great to sit down and catch up with you, Joris. Likewise, glad you were back uh, as well. And um, yeah, talk to you soon. Yeah, we'll talk to you to you all soon on, on another episode. You know how to get in touch with us um, if you want to ask us any questions at any point. You can find us all individually on social media um, or you can get in touch with us collectively here uh, at Belgium Podcast as well. So um, until next week, uh, when we're back with you to, to review the latest action, have a good week, everybody, and we'll speak to you soon on another episode of the Belgian Football Podcast.